0: Welcome to Creatively Exposed, a podcast and safe space for Black and marginalized creatives to empower, educate, and uplift you through the final product of self and creation. Bring a homie, share with a homie, and enjoy the show. Your book, um, I didn't get through the whole thing, but, um, I basically want to do it like this, where, you know, if no one's ever met you and have no idea what you do, give it to us, like, who are you, what is, what, you know, what are your passions, what excites you, Mm -hmm. Um, your creative work, your, your, um, I saw different kinds of work that you do, so just Mm -hmm. the stage
1: is yours. Sure. Okay. All right. I'm going to get you to guide me, though. <laughs> OK, sure. Um, I yeah. guess, first
0: of all, you know, what is your name um, and what is your what is your biggest passion?
1: Sure. Um, my name is Valerie Mason John, uh, a.k.a. Queenie, that was my stage name,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and some people or many people know me by Vimalasara, which is my my Buddhist name. So you can see mm-hmm. I've been on this 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 journey, but there is this integration. Um, my passion. I mean, it's it's such a great question. I think right now my passion is the uplift of black people i mean mm-hmm. i don't know how long i've got left on this planet and i just think you know what it really has to be uh, the uplift of black people and indigenous people people of color because i'm at that place of where my legacy you know it's like it's there there are so many of us in the community are doing this this work but how can we uplift that next generation coming up so that work can continue? Because there's still so much work to do, as we know. It's like I'm the, the legacy of my slave ancestors. I'm of slave stock. Mason John mm-hmm. is a very um, slave name, Sierra Leonean slave name, Creole. So really, honestly, that is that is my my passion. And that's a really interesting question because ordained into a buddhist lineage which is predominantly white Mm -hmm. and it's been really great actually with the, the the crap that has been happening over this past year that those of us who are in the community have just really started creating spaces for ourselves and creating spaces so that more black indigenous people of color can come into our community. But even outside of my community, I'm doing so much um, in in my community. So that's my passion really is to leave something behind so that the black indigenous people of color community can can benefit and continue to just continue to to flourish we we flourish in particular pockets but we know that there's just so many micro aggressions um to our community i and I, i'm gonna look specifically at the black community i mean mm-hmm. just um in terms of the the mass incarceration Mm -hmm. of the of our community be it if we're in prisons or if we're in mental health institutions or Mm -hmm. if we're not in the prisons or mental health institutions we're on the streets you know Mm um and for me i've just got to this point is stop telling me that black people kill black people let's ask why mm. uh, our youth killing each other what's that legacy that's what we need to be really looking at you know mm. so that's that's my passion yeah and
0: what are the ways that you practice uplifting and being within that passion
1: well there's a a, a project that I'm Working on mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, and hopefully, working on a project where we are developing a mindfulness course mm-hmm. created by black and indigenous people of color for black and indigenous people of color.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Because
1: we know that in our communities there's a withdrawing back from mindfulness because mindfulness is for the privileged, mm-hmm. mindfulness is for the wealthy, mindfulness is for white people, mindfulness is is Buddhist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what I want to say is is that mindfulness is our birthright, ah. and so what we need to be doing is secularizing mindfulness. Yes, there are, of course, there are Buddhist um, leanings towards mindfulness, but if we look in the Christian tradition, you know, the Christian Christian tradition had. Meditation and, mm-hmm. that. and mindfulness is about coming home to the body, is mm. becoming aware of the body and becoming aware of the breath. And and right now today, the breath, being able to breathe, has become a political act.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: And we need to reclaim that. The breath should not be a political act. Mm-hmm. If we look at who who's been impacted mostly by COVID, whether we. Are in the states, or if we're in Canada, or if we're in England, or whatever. It's the black people of color communities, the indigenous communities, and then, of course, we know that we go to Eric Garner, we go to George Floyd. We you, we can roll out a whole list of people begging to have the breath. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. so that's one of the things um, that I'm, I'm working with and we've had support for that I don't really want to say too, too much about that but that's mm-hmm. definitely in the works and, mm-hmm. and really to say this isn't about profiling you know the, the superstars this is about leaving something for the community so yes. that when you know my dad behind me it's like we will have mindfulness for us okay? mm-hmm. and so again part of of the uplift of black indigenous people of color is making things culturally specific, things that have been considered uh, just for white people how do we make these things culturally specific Mm. I have a new book coming out Mm. next year Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and again I was working with a publisher, working had this idea for a book and I was at the, the second gathering of of black Buddhist scholars mm. and uh, yogi teachers up at Spirit Rock last year. It was it was amazing. It was over. I think over 80 of us who came together we had wow. Alice Walker to greet <sighs> us okay in wow. the presence of Alice Walker and at the end when the community spread to or, or mushroomed to over 300 400 people so we invited people who you know again this was just for um black people um, of African descent mm-hmm. those who who have an interest in Buddhism or mindfulness in that mm-hmm. spirituality they came together at Spirit Rock and we had Angela Davis and Jan Willis in conversation with us wow. and that was such an amazing event but when we were together just as teachers as as scholars there was this younger generation how do we get published how do we how do we get published and I just thought well, I have a doorway into that. Mm. I, I always, I, I, I tell you what, Liz. I was never ever going to edit another anthology again. <laughs> I edited the um, first national anthology of African Canadian poetry called mm-hmm. The Great Black North. Mm-hmm. It was like stalking. You know, if you want to be an editor, it's almost like stalking. Well, it was, that's a wonderful uh, way to that's say it. it. <laughs> that's that's part of your job description Mm. and i was just like i'm just so done i'm not gonna do this again but there was just this call there was a a couple of brilliant papers in that in that conference which i just thought yes and so initially it was going to be a book by black Buddhists, but my publisher was really great when they Mm. saw the material of three sample chapters said open this up and and, and that was great to open the window up. So the book is called African Wisdom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: New Voices Taught, Black Liberation, Buddhism and Beyond. And I have over 33 contributors from the US, from Canada, from England. Mm. And, and I'm hoping, and again, uh, I, I won't say this on air, but I'm hoping to do something very different um, in terms of editing the anthology in terms of the contributors but mm-hmm. I'll, 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 I'll leave it there So I'm, I'm very ex- I'm very excited it, there's some great material from Rastafarianism, mm. you know mm. to Ubuntu to um, to the cradle of mindfulness mm. to black lives matter to you know so it's it's, it's a an eclectic cool. bunch of articles and so again for me again that is a part you know about me being really passionate mm-hmm. um and then again i i suppose i've always been i have always been passionate i i can remember when i when i got to my third book and i thought I'm not going to have another book with the word black in it. You know, it, it's 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 like uh, making black waves. That was mm-hmm. the first book that I co-wrote with Anne Cambarta, which was the first book to document the lives of African and Asian lesbians in Britain. Mm-hmm. And then I edited a book which was called Talking Black.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs>
1: and and then and then i the next book was like brown girl in the ring that was a collection of my short stories and plays it was like no 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 i can't have another book with with, with black in it but so be it so i think my my work um has all on an unconscious level it was about the uplift of my people but it's more conscious now mm-hmm. and in fact i there's a Uh, podcast that was released today Mm -hmm. by the Black National, um, by the National Theatre, promoting Black UK writers, Mm -hmm. Black queer UK writers. Mm -hmm. And I was, I live in Canada, and I was contacted, can we, can we use this? You know, we want to profile this. Mm. And I listened to it and this was a play that I had written in the 90s called Syndikes it was a box office sellout mm. it was a play for free black women free white women and discussing sexual politics, discussing SNM mm. between black and white women mm. discussing you know what does it mean to be in these biracial relationships, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it when I listened to the snippet that they had, we could have been I could have written it today yeah. you know when it's talking about the black people who had been killed in the streets and mm. i i was just completely stunned so again my my work i had uh, i wrote a pantomime called the adventures of snow black and rose red mm. uh, juxtaposing a nancy with carly so the the daughter's are uh, two black snow black and rose red get lost in the woods harley mm-hmm. comes to protect them and anansi the trickster drives mm-hmm. them away and that was just that was just amazing actually i i think sometimes writing plays i haven't written plays for quite a while but when you write plays and you're in the audience and you just hear the reaction of um, People watching it, and that was just amazing—the reaction of young kids having and adults just having these positive role models before them. So exciting! Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's that's a part of my passion, and I and mm-hmm. I suppose my the book that came out this year yes. was a real for me. That was written out of passion because often it said, "Well, well." what are buddhist practitioners doing during moments of uprising Mm. what what are we doing are you just sitting on your cushion (laughs) meditating and uh and and it's a it's a great question and because i realize it's a privilege for me Mm. it's it's a privilege because i have meditation i have the dharma Mm-hmm. And and so, in a way, there's a way that I can be. There are, there are people who are in those uprisings who don't have the meditation, who don't have the Dharma. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's wrong because we, of course, I can be out there in the uprisings, but what I can do is offer something for those people who are on the streets and be yeah. a place of refuge. And I have been out on, on the streets. I mean, the, during the days of, pre-Nelson Mandela and and you boycotted South African fruit I'd be going up to the market where's that fruit from oh it's from South Africa and just throw all the fruit on the floor of the market <laughs> you know mm-hmm. of, of the of the, of the stall holders and super gluing banks so people couldn't put their cards in mm-hmm. and out there protesting in the riots and, 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 and the Brixton riots and uh and there's a different, there's 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 a different way for me. I mm. think partly for me as well is is because I was incarcerated as as a young person, mm. and I I there's a part of me which is like oh, I've done that. I don't mm. want to be incarcerated again. I know what it's like to be incarcerated. I know what it's like to be mm. in solitary confinement. I was incarcerated from the age of. 15 to 17 and a wow. half um, you know, I grew up in orphanages, was a street kid
2: mm.
1: pickpocketing you know, I mean it's very it's very easy once you're in the system once mm. you're in you in group homes and if you get into trouble to be incarcerated that, that's a trajectory but for me I really this, this book I'm Still Your Negro was a real response to 2015 when there was just a whole slew yeah. of black people being killed by the police it was almost mm-hmm. like every day I was waking up yeah. to somebody being killed by the police and I just I think white people don't get it they think whoa well you, you're not in America you're not in England mm-hmm. how does it impact you? it happens in Canada we have black people who are killed by the police in Canada indigenous mm-hmm. people who are killed by the police but f- for, for me it's it's it, it, it just it, it, it just takes me back to that roots moment mm-hmm. when, when that black kid is strung up and the white master is is whipping him and saying you know what's your name Mm. Kunta what's your name Kunta what's your name Kunta and and it just takes me back to that moment it's it's that intergenerational trauma yeah when I went to watch Harriet I didn't I went along to watch Harriet Mm. I so I sit in the cinema five minutes in every Cell of mine was traumatized. Mm. I, my teeth chattered mm. throughout the whole play. My whole it was just the blood drained from me. It was just this genetic memory. Yeah, you know, and I, I just wasn't even expecting it. It was like mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to watch Harriet. Blah blah blah. But yeah. just this genetic memory in the body, and every time mm. somebody. Black is killed by the police. There's a
0: genetic memory. It's the same feeling. And I think also with that is that there's this interconnection with all of us as Black people that I don't think white people have. There's this belonging. We come from ancestrally something. We come from Africa. We have bloodlines that we share and we're a web and um people who have extracted themselves from their own mother country can't relate Mm. Mm. you know so it it i don't know these people but they're still my family that could have been my sister that could have been my brother that could have been my lover that could have been anything Mm. Mm. part of me it could have been me Mm. and a lot of people don't understand that yeah Yeah. so Mm. i'm right here with you Mm. um how did you find buddhism or
1: how did it find you well i mean i i would say uh it it, on a particular level it's Mm -hmm. not one of these kind of amazing stories because i was i i always laugh because there were the bad girls and the good girls, Mm -hmm. I was out clubbing, Mm -hmm. I was out clubbing and doing everything which goes with clubbing Mm -hmm. and I used to go clubbing with a a really good friend of mine and she was dating somebody who was Buddhist, so you know, hanging out with my black friend and she Mm -hmm. was a, a black woman who was Buddhist. And there was something about her, and she won't mind me mean, mentioning, Am- Amra Gita is her name now, there was something about Amra how she held herself, and I remember mm-hmm. thinking, I want a bit of that, there was just something mm-hmm. about her, that, I want a bit of that, but we were so polarised at that, at mm-hmm. that time. And then, and anyway, she had this story that I'd slept with her girlfriend. So, do you know what I mean? I wasn't going to be in the in book, and and the story that I was, I was, um, treat, uh, kind of misguiding her girlfriend mm-hmm. because, you know, her, her girlfriend at the time was, you know, I'd say kind of, pretty alcoholic, you mm-hmm. know, and I was pretty into my my drugs and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, it was. So, and and we would laugh, we would say, ah, that's what the good girl's going to do, go off and meditate. Mm-hmm. So, this is about 20, 25 years ago, maybe mm-hmm. even 30 years ago. So there used to be an offering, you know, it's time of consciousness raising groups. So there would mm-hmm. be meditation for black women, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. and And also for me, I think there was a part of me that didn't think that I could fit in that part because Although I was black, I didn't grow up within black culture. Mm. I grew up within white culture. And that does separate you apart, especially when you're a lot younger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And But then I, I, I went off. I worked as an international co- correspondent covering Aboriginal deaths in custody, mm-hmm. Aboriginal land rights out in Australia. And uh, I came back and there were two things that happened. There was one thing I bumped into an old friend in a nightclub and she was going along to meditation a black friend Mm -hmm. and and then I had another friend said oh you've always wanted to meditate and basically I started meditating Mm -hmm. and I could really I was one of those people who had beginner's mind it was it was like oh my god this is, this is the best drug I've ever had I I feel high it doesn't cost anything I feel good it's not illegal so you know I can remember during the millennium and my, my mates were saying this is because then when I was living in the UK the UK is a real kind of party party place I mean mm-hmm. once upon a time if I was coming home at 10 o'clock in the morning that was a bad night of raving
0: right? oh wow
1: so yeah yeah that's how we rave, rave back there and um I can remember my friends telling me all the parties that we're gonna go through go to during the millennium and I remember thinking and the drugs they were gonna have. I'm gonna going go on retreat for three weeks over the millennium because I know I'm gonna get high. I'm you know. Yeah. So really it was definitely it was the practice of meditation mm-hmm. that drew me to Buddhism really. Mm. And I think this is again what's really important for any of the black community that is listening is that meditation doesn't have to be associated with Buddhism. Christians mm. use, the Christian mystics use meditation and mm. meditation, that was my therapy. Mm. It's where I really unraveled a lot of stuff. It's where I did a lot of healing. It's where I learned to love myself. And this is how, this is the secularized uh, mindfulness that we can offer to our community because mm-hmm. it, it can transform lives. Mm-hmm. I mean for me I wanted to take it further I I in in a way we have this thing well you let go of these labels so why call yourself a buddhist i i for the for the sake of this conversation yes i'm a buddhist but I, I really want to say that i dedicate my life to just living more ethically living mm. more compassionately mm. living more more mindfully living the life of the noble eightfold path before noble truths so mm. um so in a way, it, it 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 was in my it was in my black community, mm-hmm. and and then it was in that queer. Well, then it would have been called the lesbian community, mm-hmm. the white, lesbian community. Mm-hmm. So it was under my nose. I can always remember my my really good friends, Anobi, and when Ruth when Ruth would have been alive, Anobi would be would be going off. And we're going off to meditate and we say ah, oh, we're just going to stay in a house and party and drink our punch and blah 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 and everything and then one day it was like when this teacher that was it I had this, this transcendental teacher that I went to he left mm-hmm. and then it was like well I know people who who go along to the Friends of the Western Buddhist Order which is what it was called mm-hmm. it was the Sri Ratna Buddhist Community I know that so I'll go along mm-hmm. so in a way really I would say that it was one of the things that saved my life. If I look at what's the things that saved my life, music, mm. yes. music, uh-huh. m- most definitely music, and being in the nightclub saved my life. Mm. Um, meditation was another thing that really saved my life, and mm. and and Buddhism. Yeah. Mm.
0: And would you also say writing? Has saved your life in a
1: way? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's 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 uh, that's a a great question because I can remember, I I can remember that was it doing coming out of Ball Store, it was called um, Ballstool, and going to college. I was very lucky. Foster mother took me in, put me through uh, mm-hmm. college, etc. And I can remember the joy of cramming information and then writing it down Mm. the joy of having this information crammed in my my, mind and then writing it down Mm -hmm. and uh and i suppose i mean definitely being a journalist took me to i I lived out in australia Mm -hmm. for a couple of years and in fact i would have gone out to um South Africa mm-hmm. to cover what was happening out there. But the the British government had put this embargo and said no journalists mm. could actually go into South Africa. So I think in a way being being a journalist definitely provided me to see something other, provided me to see a different world. And 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 it was that experience of I had the experience to live with the Yongle. Mm-hmm. The Yongle live right up in the tip there's a tip a cup tips in in Australia right up in the northern territories in eurourakala and I got to live tr- traditionally there for several months and that was a turning around for me. In, in, in my life, I knew I couldn't appropriate their culture, mm. and I'm smiling because the the two things I can remember. I was a pale black, like like look how dark I am, and it's mm. like I'm being called pale. I mean, please, I've <laughs> never been called pale in my life before. Right. You know, I've been called coolie because my hair's got the Indian mix in it, mm. but not like pale. And the other thing was, where was I indigenous to? That was confusing wow. I hadn't even really, wow, I hadn't even really heard of the word indigenous and this Mm -hmm. was with the elders because it was the elders who had managed to get the land back who spoke the English and Mm -hmm. I was like indigenous what the hell did that mean Mm -hmm. and today and I in 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 my most recent book I I refer to myself as a stateless indigenous person Mm. because I have no idea where I'm indigenous to wow and I have no idea because of slavery yeah yeah
0: my mind is blown with that like where am i indigenous to like there's so it's it's so hard and complicated because of the disruption
1: yeah yeah
0: wow so tell me more about your current book that you have released um yeah I guess you already told me the idea um I guess what was that initial moment that you're like this this is it this has to come out and this has to be shared
1: I I wrote some of the the work is is newer Mm -hmm. than than um some of the work Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and some of the work is 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 very new and I think it was the muse that, that spoke to me. I, I, I actually went back to Sierra Leone and went into the area of Kono. That's where the, the diamonds are, mm-hmm. so looking for diamonds. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to interview rebels, ex-rebels and mm. do all that interviewing. And at the same time, I was really interested in, in the spirituality and I got to learn about the supreme being Yata. Mm. And it was Yata who spoke through me in a way. So in a way, the inspiration came through the voice of Yata and we hear the voice of Yata through each section. So in a way, for me, it's the voice of Yata. I wasn't writing Yata, Yata was writing itself. Mm. Uh, And in a way it's, it's a commentary, I think. Mm-hmm. It's 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 definitely a commentary, and yeah, I yeah, it's 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 a good question. It, definitely, it was really important for me to write. I one of the poems, another one bite the dust that mm-hmm. took me four years to write i i wrote it last year and it was something that uh i it was like i didn't want to write it from this intellectual place mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it just but when it came it wrote itself and then of course i think for me what was really pivotal is i think it was last year or the year before where we had uh the festival of james baldwin's work Mm -hmm. and so they were screening i'm not your negro Mm -hmm. screening if bill street could still speak Mm -hmm. i'm thinking what the fuck this stuff (laughs) is still happening yeah you know what i mean it's like this stuff is still happening it hasn't changed Mm -hmm. and especially when i was watching if bill street could speak i was just thinking and that for me is where I felt so strongly like, yeah, I'm still your Negro and I'm not your Negro. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, yeah, that this, that, that although slavery has been abolished in writing, mm-hmm. it still happens. The violence of slavery still happens.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I think I, I quote Dr. Mbekka who was the 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 great Dalit leader in, in, in India and he was responsible for the the Indian constitution in the Nehru government and he himself realized it's like so you can make untouchability illegal in writing, but mm. that's all. It still exists if you, if you go to India now and touchability, mm. it still exists. Mm. Yeah. It's, it, it may be, okay, nobody can get away with people calling people untouchables right. anymore, but the same shit still happens. Yeah, for sure. And this is the same for, mm. for black people. It's like, okay, we can't say slavery and you can't have us as slaves. And yet the same That's crap totally same. happens. You know, And I'm wondering like how does it
0: feel that throughout time it's still timely and exactly the same like how does that feel for you because I've been thinking about this as well where yes there has been this quote unquote abolishment of slavery and we are quote unquote equal but we're looking at just this year alone and continue to see the disparities
1: you know as as you say that for me it's about passing the baton on i'm able to mm. do what i can do because of the people who came before me mm-hmm. i stand on those shoulders but those people couldn't do all the work
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and we can't do all the work and the people who come after us have to continue to do the work mm. and that's my lot I mean I've, I've, I've got it I, even one of my black friends was challenging me saying well how can you say your life is for the uplift of black people I'm saying because it's not saying that I don't care about white people. Of course, partly, part of my work is working with white people so mm-hmm. that we can begin to uplift the black people because mm-hmm. we, we know that actually if there's going to be true upliftment, if things are truly going to change, we need to have white allies. Mm-hmm. I think some people disagree with that, but I think those are the people who can open the doors. Mm-hmm. I, I remember years ago, because I was raised by white people, sometimes my black friends were. say, you do the talking because they're going to give it to you, mm-hmm. and it was true because I knew how to talk to these white people, which wasn't going to upset them. Mm-hmm. You know, I could be a particular way, mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. and so, and so for me, when I'm saying like my life is dedicated to the uplift of Black Indigenous people of color, it it really is about me um not sitting in my home being comfortable
2: Mm.
1: yeah in in england we say put your legs up and and think of england Mm -hmm. it's not i cannot be how can i be comfortable in my skin with what's actually happening out there right i can't be comfortable in my skin this isn't about yeah okay it's like i have a. I have I have a I have a good life not just a pretty good life I, ha- I have a good life mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very fortunate but I cannot sit still mm. when I see what's still happening to my people it mm-hmm. it it impacts me and it's not about so many people it's about their their it's it's that narcissistic it's all about me and as and as long as I'm okay Jack it doesn't matter right but I where I'm at, it's no, it's, it's, I cannot rest. There are things I need to do, and I'm in a position where I can help change, even if it's one person mm-hmm. in this world. If each of us were to think about helping others, mm-hmm. just imagine what that world could look like. Oh. You know, when we help others, we help ourselves, and when we help ourselves, we help others but really this isn't about my my awakening Mm -hmm. this is how can how can i be fully awakened the only time i can be fully awakened when things have changed for Mm -mm. for our communities Mm. yes
0: and so i also think about how a lot of the work falls on black women's shoulders and i wonder what's your thought about this
1: It's. I I was. I was thinking. Oh, it's. It's the time for black women. You know, with Kamala Mm -hmm. Harris being in the White House, Mm -hmm. Meghan Markle being in Buckingham Palace. Well, kind of. Sort of. Yes, sort of. With um, you know, have to quote Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey. I. I think that black men carry the burden, but in in a in a a different way. Mm. I think that um, it is on our shoulders because so many of our black men have been incarcerated and taken away. It's 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 like if we think of slavery, that's what they did. They broke up the family. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's what they did how many people really actually grew up in that that family unit and so Mm. who's left to raise the children Mm. and so if if black men are put in prisons mental health institutions then who's left to raise the children Mm. it is the women and so yes we have had to carry the burden but that's because of the systemic racism and the systemic oppression Mm. it's all part of that i i i do see black men really um wanting to carry part of the burden but Uh it's 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 really difficult it's i i know for myself walking along the street i mean i i i laugh like with the big breasts that i've got (laughs) i'm still referred to as a dude and the fear of 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 being a dude, you know mm-hmm. the fear—the fear of the black
2: man. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. There is the fear of the black woman, but not in the same way as mm. the fear of the black male. No, that's that's what that's what our black men are having to to deal with. Mm-hmm. How how does one work with that? You
2: know mm. how,
1: how? I mean, I still kind of think the one of the things that really shifted my psyche that the moment when barack obama became president of the united states of america it was like how did that happen Mm. and then again actually it wasn't seeing michelle it wasn't seeing um Meghan Markle at the wedding, it was seeing her mother. Yeah, (laughs) this black woman with the black dregs sitting with the royalty. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. So there are these changes, Mm -hmm. there are these shifts, but coming back to your question, yes, we, we do have to, to carry a lot, but black men have to carry the the burden of being feared, mm. yeah, yeah, the mm. burden of uh, people wanting to tame them, wanting mm. to take away their power. That's the burden that they have to to carry. It's a huge burden that black men have to carry. Even even that conversation, of course, yes. Breonna Taylor the black women who've been killed by the police but it's predominantly black men mm-hmm. so the, even the conversation that parents are having to talk to their black children how do they carry this burden they're angry mm. yeah they're angry it's mm. angry angry at the world it's an unjust world mm. And to change
0: the the questioning a little bit as as a writer um in in your most recent book I did begin to read it and the verbiage the language is it can be like patois kind of like a creole different things in there and do you have any advice to other writers who kind of feel like will people understand this um should i write um in a way that is more understood or more acceptable like what do you what advice
1: do you have Write in the voice that comes to you mm. yeah i mean i hear how i write is how i hear yeah and i think it's really important it's about reclaiming our languages mm-hmm. you know who i, I it's do we have to understand everything that is on the page? Mm. Yeah mm-hmm. And if we want to understand everything on the page and do the homework, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage writers to to write in their their voice because some of us have something to sell mm-hmm. and some of us have something to say. And I think it's more important, What we have to say than what we have to sell Mm. yeah Mm. yeah
0: that was perfect and so we're reaching the end which feels like so short like it wasn't enough time what is is there anything else on your spirit that you haven't shared let us know how we can find you how we can find your work and any services that you provide
1: well you can find me on my website which uh, I must update <laughs> which is www.valeriemason-john.com mm-hmm. but if you put Valerie Mason John in it, it's, it's going to come up mm-hmm. um, yeah what do I have an offer for I for black people what I have on offer is with two sisters Mm -hmm. uh, Arisika and Alita we offer uh, an African Healing Circle Mm -hmm. the last Sunday of every month Mm -hmm. so check that out Um, it's it's by donation Mm -hmm. it's hosted by LA Insight Mm -hmm. so that's the last Sunday of every month and it's from nine o'clock in the morning to 11 pacific time Mm -hmm. and then with my community we offer something called welcoming liberation and this is for black black indigenous people of color Mm -hmm. and that's the last saturday of every month Mm -hmm. at the same time Mm -hmm. so check that out welcoming liberation Mm-hmm. and then I work in the field of addiction
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so for a- anybody or anybody listening I do have a online mindfulness program for addiction
2: mm-hmm.
1: I work in the field of compassionate inquiry so I do actually work as a as a trauma mm-hmm. therapist in uh in compassionate inquiry so so again for me circling back to what does that mean for the uplift of our people that I will work with white people I will work with black people anybody who will Mm -hmm. come to me with trauma because I think if we had more regulated people in Uh the world there would be more peace in Mm -hmm. the world yeah so uh, those are some of the things that I offer but you can look online I'm doing a couple of a Retreats. There's mm-hmm. a couple of recovery retreats happening in December, which is open to everybody. Mm-hmm. And then I have a recovery retreat for Black and Indigenous people of colour, mm-hmm. which uh, a good friend of mine's going to be running in January. Mm. So just um, check out my website from time to time. And I'll be doing actually this 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 Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'm actually. Holding space for Black and Indigenous people of color for Spirit Rock, oh, which wow. I'm an offering. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's weekly, but anyway, I'm doing this this Sunday for mm-hmm. Spirit Rock, so you could check that out. Too. Is that in person,
0: or are we doing things still? Very oh, early? it's all online. <laughs> it's
1: at all the, Zoom. Yeah, okay. It's all Zoom. You have to be a bit of a Zoomie. It's all Zoom. I'm looking forward to when we you can be back in person mm-hmm. back yeah person to person and mm-hmm. safely it yeah. will happen yes yeah. things change it it, it will happen
0: mm-hmm. things
1: change
0: it has been an absolute honor i feel like we'd have to do this again because i feel like we didn't even cover the cert sur- we were just on the surface like we just touched on a little bit yeah.
1: And I feel like I need to interview you and find out more about you. It's like, (laughs) oh, we can
0: do that. We can switch for sure. I mean, I after I looked you up, I'm like, I just want to sit and soak in. Thank you for listening to the show. Check out our Patreon, the website in the show notes. Rate, review and subscribe or share with the homie. And don't forget that you are magic. No te olvides que eres magia, pablie, use magique. Take care and see you next week.